Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, let's do it live on a Thursday edition of the program. Merely Bo and the great Gerard Cherry with you along the ride for the next couple of hours. We will take a look at this playoff weekend, some monster games, some traditional matchups that has everybody excited. Certainly, there's a lot of news going around around the National Football League. We will get into all of that as well. But I did want to start with something that was part of both of our shows yesterday and that Jim and I were on until about 3.10, which is well into next-level territory, Gerard, um, because of the Jim Schwartz press conference. I, I think one thing around here that that I notice is we're big on did they win the press conference. And I'll be real honest with you. As someone who was part of the press, and, and you're part of the press now, you were a player obviously before that, um, the introductory press conference – that's for the fans, man. That's what it's for. There's, there's nothing Jim Schwartz could have said yesterday schematically mm-hmm. that's going to make anybody go, oh, well, that sorts all of it. That'll fix it right there. I mean, football fans are smarter now than they've ever been. They know Jim Schwartz wants to run a wide nine. They know historically that he has great defensive tackles on the interior. They know that currently we do not have those things. So they knew that before he sat down at that press conference yesterday. I think what you're looking for, what the fan base is looking for is – is this a guy that's got a little bit of fire? Does he have some accountability? Is this is he one of those guys who can lead? And I came away from that yesterday going, yeah, absolutely. He checks those boxes, Gerard. What'd you make of it? Yeah, I made similar thoughts and sentiments as well, Bo, because when I listened to that press conference, I walked away from experience saying, heck, you got me fired up. Where can I go get my yeah. pads and check in and see if Brad can hook me up and I'm ready to go because he had the right <laughs> things to say and the way in which he went about it. He gave you nostalgia. He gave you his background. He gave you what he's been through and why he's qualified for the job and what's his foundation, his reference points, and talking about, hey, I got to bind him from Nick Saban. Who's going to go against that? I was around Bill Belichick. As a matter of fact, I ate the guy's sandwich. And then when you get into actually how he ended the bad boy, and actually before I even go there, the reference to the railroad track and what yeah. that represents. And if you've ever been to training camp, how frustrated have you been when you got stuck behind that train trying to get to a parking spot and you can't get there, simply put, because the railroad track is in the way? So he knocked it out the park. You're ex- exactly right in regards to who it's for. It is for the fan base. But there was something yeah. that he did say that I found very telling. And when we have situations where you make changes like a coordinator or even a head coach, you're looking for someone who's going to bring something different to the table than the guy that was previously yeah. there. And what he had to say in regards to – the issues of accountability and holding guys accountable and his approach that, hey, I still have some fire and brimstone in me. I'm not completely over the top with it, but that's my approach, and I have to hold the best players accountable. We're looking for that. And I heard you say something earlier in the week about accountability and how it's all over the building, but we have to express that on the football field and the practice facility and outside of it as well, and that's a key thing. We have to mean what we say and say what we mean. Yeah, and I I think that there is a – I think there's a real sense of urgency for this organization. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you look at your peers. Um, I, I'm not sure if you if you've noticed this this week or not, but if you look at the quarterbacks that are all still playing, the average age is 25 years of age. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dak Prescott is the elder statesman. He's 29, so they're two 23 year olds 
playing right now in still playing in the NFC NFL playoffs um, in Purdy and Lawrence. Um, the average age is 25. Um, we we were there was for the last three years kind of we've been best young roster in the NFL or one of the best young rosters mm-hmm. in the NFL usually on that list. Uh, the Cleveland Browns need to need to more from best young to it's right now. The prime is right now. Our best players are between the ages of 25 and 29, and the time to pay dividends on that is now. And what I needed to hear from Jim Schwartz, and I think it'll set the tone for really everybody in the in the organization, coaching staff, give everybody a little bit of a jolt, is like, man, this guy was at the mountaintop a mm-hmm. couple of years ago. Been there. And he knows, he knows what it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's learned from some of the best. And we don't have a whole lot of time to go figure it out. Right. It's now. It's right. got to be right. figured out right now. And I, I in the in the presser yesterday and talking to Jim, he knows what he signed up for here. Right. And and what he signed up for here, Bo, is something that is talented. But as we know, talent is not enough. And it goes back nope. to that whole mantra of you heard guys say it all the time. We're a very talented football team. But it's one thing to be a talented football team, but are you a team? And it seems to me that Jim, yes, he knows what he's signing up for, but he has to be encouraged. Now, granted, there are a couple spots where you say, what are you going to do in the wide nine with the defensive tackle situation? How are you going to shore that up? What? And I love the answer he gave in regards to the linebackers because ultimately he's right in that, hey, if I can coach a guy up to play, I don't care how big he is because I can tell you an undersized guy named Sam Mills, posthumous, is now in the NFL Hall of Fame for being an undersized linebacker, one of the first ones to do it. So you don't have to be 240 to 250 in order to get the job done, but obviously you have to get the job done. But the main thing that I look at far as that whole age dynamic, I feel for the past couple years we've allowed that to be an excuse, the youth Mm -hmm. movement, as a reason why we haven't taken that next step, and that's not a – good excuse at all because ultimately that's not going to matter so you're absolutely right that window is closing and it is time now for these young guys especially on defense because I'm of the opinion Bo I don't know if you agree with me or not please tell me but the offense played well enough to be playoff bound this year they did even with Jacoby being in there and represent the backup I felt that they played well enough to put us in a situation where we could be in the playoffs can't say the same about the defense and at times the special teams so all those things what do they have in common they got young players on there but that's no longer an excuse. We have to take that next step. Everything you said is true. Um, it is a um, it's a move that is made for a team that that feels like it's right there and and is very very close. Um, you mentioned the defensive. T- we've I mean that's been all we've talked about. And and honestly, I told this story on the show yesterday when I was doing it with Jim. Like um, I was uh, convalescing on Tuesday and had a delivery come over, and one of the delivery guys recognized me and said. Uh, hey, who do you think we're going to do at defensive coordinator? And I went through kind of where we were, and he goes, um, he said, well, what about Schwartz? And I said, well, I, I mean, I love Jim Schwartz. I just don't know that the things that feel like requirements for him, do we have those things in that we are not great at defensive tackle, and his best defenses historically have defensive tackles who are dudes, and mm-hmm. we don't have that right now. And I said, so I, I, don't, I think there might need to be a little bit of a roster overhaul. Um, and, and sure enough, two hours later, they signed him, so it shows what I know. Um, but, but I do think that uh, I, liked, I picked up on that answer on linebackers too. Like I can coach them all sorts of sizes. Right. I, I just need them to play with a purpose and know what they're doing. I think the biggest thing, and there's no question that we – if if job one on this team is a, a burner on offense, then job one A or one equal 
is defensive line, and that's opposite miles, that's defensive tackle. You need two big-time NFL players. You need an NFL defensive player who's an impact guy in the middle of the defensive line, and you need somebody opposite miles uh, on the other end. So Andrew Barry's got a lot on his wish list this offseason. But in talking to guys who played for Jim Schwartz, mm-hmm. and I've done that in the last Latin, uh, several times in the last couple of days, the one constant thing that I keep hearing from them is you will not see – guys on this defense next year pointing around going that's you that's you that's you because he don't have it Mm -hmm. they don't do that it's simple it's primarily man there's not going to be a whole lot of confusion in terms of what's being asked on a given play Mm -hmm. we're going to play fundamentally sound and you're going to do your job and that's it and I thought well that's a step that's a step in the right direction yeah it certainly is it's a huge step in the right direction because how many times did we look back on last year and you had guys in the same gap pointing at each other like, no, there you were supposed to be there. No, you were supposed to be there. Or in the secondary, same issue. Yep. All right, my cover four responsibility is yours is that. Or in blown coverages. And this this idea of you can't – and it's a fine line, Bo, because as a, yeah. from a player's perspective, you want guys to feel confident when they see something and anticipate something and make a play. But, but but there's also like I said a fine line in that in that you don't want to pr- have it be perceived as you're simply going rogue and you're trying to get yourself a stat to fulfill some type of pl- Pro Bowl aspirations or some oh, type yeah. of incentive and that can't be the play either because ultimately it comes back to we are a team and unfortunately too many times last year on the defensive side of the ball you saw what we just described taking place and you can have that take place obviously and say you're playing complimentary winning football. When you um, when you put the GM hat on, and I'm, I'm not going to mm-hmm. ask you to name players because who the hell knows? I mean, you get, this is all got to play out. You don't know how the free agent process is going to is going to play out. But as you've had a couple of days to wrap your head around what Schwartz is going to want to do and the fit of the players who are here, um, and you you put yourself in Andrew Barry's desk, what are what's what are the What's the type of things he needs right away? What are the things that this defense lacks that it needs in order for this to work? Well, first and foremost, you you have to, and I think you actually have it on the roster now from a linebacker standpoint. It's just a matter of getting the right combination. And it needs to be an open competition, in my opinion, for who's most consistent, who's making plays, who's getting off blocks, who's filling the correct A, B, C gaps as a linebacker, who starts. And if they make a mistake, they get taken out. Same thing with the safety position as well. When you have run gap responsibility and you're at the line of scrimmage, you can't be making the same mistakes over and over again. So I think from a linebacker, we got big bodies and we got slender bodies will be the way I'll describe it. Now, I'm not of the opinion, unlike Coach Schwartz, that you could have three slender bodies on the football field at the same time at the linebacker position because I think it makes the job too easy from a physical standpoint for offensive linemen to just put a big body on you and use that speed and size against you. So I think you have it from the linebacker's position with Raglan, with Walker, if you sign him back, with JOK, with Fields, with Phillips. Those guys can do it, and Jones, and Jordan as well, I think you have that there. Now let's go to the defensive tackle spot. That's where it gets interesting because I think there we need to be a bit heavier. I think we do need to have bigger bodies in that spot. In that, granted, there were times where Brian did good and there were times when Elliott did good, but unfortunately it was too inconsistent. So I think there you have to be thinking, keep those guys in the fold, 
But how about some guys that weigh 315, 320 that happen to be defensive tackles? I want to see bigger, more intimidating bodies there just so they don't get pushed around by the guards and tackles who are weighing 320, and we're at 300. And then you nailed it, too, with the wide receiver position. I think we're set there. What we truly need is a guy that can stretch the field and the defensive actually fear that he'll catch the football because when he does catch that football, all he's going to do is what? Open it up for Amari, open it up for Donovan Peoples-Jones, and certainly open it up for Nick Chubb. Yeah, it's. I think we all can. You know, I do wonder they need a center fielder at safety if they're going to move Grant down closer. Uh, you know, what does John look like back there? What is what's kind of the what does that mm-hmm. kind of grow into through this offseason, through the spring? What does that look like? Do you need a true center field safety? Because it felt like Grant was certainly coming into his own as the season went along. He was up sure. closer. Yes. Yeah, he was a dude. Yes. He finally he looked like the guy they drafted, the right. guy at LSU. You're like, okay, this is a guy. You count on him. But that was him playing, you know, much more down and, and in and active. And that's where he's natural. And the crate, that's the same place John is natural. So they, you know, the the two of them. I don't know long term if that's a fit. So I'm interested to see what they do there. Um, but there are just a couple of tweaks here and there, and then you can be a contender. Uh, the the time to win is certainly now. I I do think that it is critical. Um, I I don't, and I know they know this, and I'm, the price on these are are it's always high. But it, you have to have a difference maker of, in some regard at defensive tackle, and or a difference maker opposite Miles. But it you, can, you can't be in a situation where that is not improved tremendously because, unfortunately for them in the draft, mm-hmm. we're still wait, we can't wait anymore on Tommy Togiai and Jordan Elliott. Right. You know, and you want to go to receive. You can't wait anymore on Anthony Schwartz. You no. can't wait you have on. To move on. Like um, it's done. It's you. It's win now. That's the approach of the whole organization. That's the Schwartz hire. All of it. So I think the same would be true of the roster that we've drafted. Some of these guys they haven't blossomed the way that you'd like. And and yet it might be time to move on and get some people in here who can be difference makers. And Bo, you, you made me think of something with what you just said regarding the defensive in opposite of Miles situation. My yeah. thought is if I had a, a choice between would I rather have a guy opposite of Miles or someone more impactful in the middle, I'm still mm-hmm. going to stick with the middle element of it because okay. if you can have someone putting pressure up the middle, that's much more harder for a quarterback to deal with and it just disrupts things. And at the same time, my thought is this on that guy on the outside. You are going to get one-on-one blocking attention on a regular basis due to the fact that Miles Garrett is way out yonder down this wide nine. There's yeah. no excuse for you not to beat that one-on-one matchup every now and then. And even if you are going as a Conklin type or a, another Pro Bowl type, you still need to win that matchup more than you lose it, in my opinion, yeah. especially if you're getting one-on-one attention. Yeah. No, it's 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 where the league has. I mean, it's where it's been. That's the the drops are so short, or it's out of the gun. The best way you can be disruptive is up the middle. And um, one thing that we had when we had Clowney, and we we never really got to see it at its full um, its full torque this year uh, with with Winovich. But when when we would go with Miles or Clowney in the middle, and Winovich and and Clowney on the mm-hmm. outside. You know, miles in the middle can be really disruptive. It worked. So yeah. it worked. I called yeah. it amoeba. So, it worked. Yeah, it does. It does. It does work. It, it was effective. So um, this opens a chance of possibilities. I think for the most part, though, if you're looking for a big theme from yesterday, if you're looking for a big theme from this organization and how quickly this all took place, the clock is ticking. Right. You're in a window right now. You're in a window in probably as competitive of an AFC. In term that we've had, 
I mean, you think about this ascent of Jacksonville. At some point, the Chargers are going to be competently coached. Mm -hmm. Kansas City's not going anywhere. No Buffalo's not going anywhere. Cincinnati's not going anywhere. Lamar's going to land get somewhere. Better. Steelers are going to get better. Miami is going to – they were pretty dang good with Tua. Right. They're going to figure something out. So there's a lot in this AFC that you're going to try to navigate. I would argue that, you know, certainly at the time when you were at the Patriots, at the very top with the Colts and the Patriots – or even at sometimes when it was Colts or the uh, the Patriots and Steelers or whatever, that there might have been those two teams might have been slightly better. But in terms of the depth, Gerard, I don't know if we've ever seen an AFC like the one we have right now. I and agree. Do, you want to thrust into that thing? Yeah, you got to come with it. You better know it. what you're signing up for. <laughs> you got to come with it. And and the thing that I do appreciate about yesterday's press conference, and, it, and I said before, and I'll be happy to reiterate it, Whenever you have changes like this, you're going to see a polar opposite probably of the person that was once Always. in charge. And that's pretty much what you're, what you're getting in this situation. You're getting the fires and some level of brimstone from Schwartz, even though I felt he kind of contained it and kept it in. But you're absolutely right. The AFC is extremely competitive. And think about this, Bo, for thought. What if Peyton decides to go to Denver? And oh. we know Russ is capable of playing at a high level. So what if he goes there and we know Sean Payton's capable of coaching people to play at a high level? So that would only make it even more challenging for this division. Sure. Oh, yeah, but you, you, you add that to it because if you went back to a year at the time of acquisition of, of Russell Wilson, you would have said, well, Denver could win the Super Bowl with Russell Wilson. Why can't they? Mm -hmm. They got everything else. They got all the weapons, Super Bowl caliber defense. Yes. There's no reason Denver can't take the next step. They get the right coach in there who can reach Russ and rejuvenate that a little bit. You're back. And so I think that's why – there is a sense of urgency, uh, the clock ticking, all of those things. I think there was a sense of urgency to this hire, to this pursuit. Uh, they wanted to make sure they got their guy. Mm -hmm. They did it. It's not a coincidence that they hired first. They interviewed a bunch of people and then made the first hire and moved it along. And I think that's because they all feel it, um, that, that next year is go time and you are in the middle of a window to try to compete for a Lombardi and try to compete in an absolutely brutal AFC. Uh, we'll have a lot of fun over the course of the next couple hours of the program. We have some scores coming up on this special Thursday edition and over-under coming up as well. It is a mailbag edition of Cleveland Browns Daily. Go ahead and tweet your questions at Browns underscore daily. Use the hashtag AskCBD. Uh, Gerard and, and I will answer those in the 2 o'clock hour of the program. We've got a lot to get you set for. I mean, my man my man played with Brady. I can't wait to get his thoughts on that press conference we saw in in uh, down in Tampa on Monday night. We will get to that before we do all of that, though, I should tell you, Browns fans, tonight through midnight on February 9th, head to NFL.com slash FedEx, the NFL's official Twitter handle, or the NFL mobile app to cast your vote for Nick Chubb as the FedEx Ground Player of the Year. The 2002 FedEx Air and Ground NFL Players of the Year will be announced during the NFL Honors on February 9th. Uh, we will go around the NFL playoffs just Four games remaining this weekend, two and then one. You know where we're at in this thing. Uh, this is when the men separate from the boys. We'll have some fun with that as this thing continues. We're off and running here on a Thursday edition. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Bally Bet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. You want a coach where, where fans are passionate. I've been very fortunate in Philadelphia. Okay, check. We're, you know, we, we, we had that. Detroit, yes, Buffalo. You know, I've had some great stops that way. Tennessee, um, you know, so you embrace that part of it. And, you know, um, I think that's, you know, that, that's an important part of our process. And that's an important part of, of 
what the organization goes through. And I feel a tremendous amount of responsibility to the fans here to get this right and to award them. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Well, Bishop Gerard Cherry here with you. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Gerard, we've heard a lot of coaches and front office people say what Jim Schwartz just said right there. Um, that it's time to the responsibility of it, um, that it's time for these fans, that it's time to get it right. I mean, it's, it, it's said a lot. Everybody has a full appreciation and respect of the history here. Um, I do think that there is a time when that history eats them up. I think it does. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think we've seen it time and time again. Um, I do think that it's important – and when I was talking to Jim about this yesterday, it's funny, like, of course, Jim would. He's a, he knows everything like the back of his hand. He's got an encyclopedic memory of everything. He basically said exactly what, how the press conference would go for Schwartz. He predicted how it would go. He knew it would be emotional. Um, he knew that, that coming back here and being in that dais and in that press room would be something that he had re- that remembered. Obviously, it wasn't that one exactly, but you get the point. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that it would be something that would hit a lot of nerves for him, and it did. Um, Schwartz... Having been here for this franchise being ripped out of this town, he got a first-hand seat, man, front row for mm-hmm. for something taken out of here. So, now, what does that mean? Eh, next football season, nothing. <laughs> right? Doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it means, means a lot right now. now. Right, right. It means a lot right now, and right. it makes us feel good. It's a warm blanket on a on a cold, although it's not that cold out there today. On a on a cold January night, right? It, it makes you feel warm and fuzzy. But the reality is, none of it's going to matter next year. Um, all that goes out the window, and it's just going to be: can you put your guys in the best position to succeed to play complimentary football to your offense, which is something that hasn't happened. And if he can do that, then waking up the echoes and all that stuff, it all will happen. Yes, yeah, certainly, because you're absolutely right, Bo. Because if the season starts out and say the opener is against the Pittsburgh Steelers and we lose 35 to nothing, nothing he said is going to matter at all. So we get that. But in this time of the season, why not have hope? Because that's all we have right now is hope. We're watching other teams play in the playoffs, yeah. and, and teams are definitely separating the cream. is <laughs> rising to the top, obviously. But right now for us, we need a message that gives us the idea that we have someone in place who's going to call attention to the idea that the guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball, need to be playing at a higher level based upon the talent quotient that they have. So I'm all in favor of hearing that message. It's obviously going to be much more challenging to put that message into practice because there may be some guys on that defense right now as we speak, Bo, who will be opposed to the idea of giving more than what they've already given, thinking that, hey, I do my job, oh, yeah. I'm compensated for it, and that's enough. And you've heard me say this before. Oh, Just yeah. doing your job is not enough in the National that Football League. Yeah, you get paid a check and you collect a large sum of money on a weekly basis and more power to you for that. But it has to be more than just the money. So if we have a guy in the place who can get guys to buy into this idea that, hey, that guy next to you, that guy on the other side of the of the room is in it with you and that they can build some sense of camaraderie with that and understanding that, hey, we have an opportunity to do something great and not just put it out as a bullet point that, yeah, we want to be a top five defense because that's the message that everyone wants to send, but actually bought it to the idea of what it takes to get there and they're willing to listen and follow, then you have something. But we will not know that until training camp starts. Heck, OTAs start. Training camp starts and then the actual season starts. But right now, I'm going to enjoy 
The fact yeah. that we have a premier <laughs> storyteller, a premier orator oh at the defensive coordinator position. Because what he did yesterday, Bo, was a work of art. Was that not refreshing, man? I mean, just to just to tell a yarn. Spin it. I mean, it goes so far. Like yeah. it's just, it was beautiful. It was fun. It was a fun listen. Really enjoyable listen. Um, you know, it's. I think the one guy who could really benefit as as you were talking about. You know, some of the traits that he has and how demanding he has and some of the things that he said. Um, I I thought of Denzel Ward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Denzel Ward is is an incredible mirror at at corner. Um, and he's been a he's been one of the better uh, you know coverage corners in the league. But that next step to being like a dude, like top of the mm-hmm. sport. A Revis type. That's right. Revis Island, one of those type of guys. In order to do that, can does he have the potential to unlock that? Yes, I, de- I definitely think he has the potential to unlock it. Uh, but how do you get it out of him? And I think back to his time at Ohio State, and I think about the position coaches he had, whether it was Kerry Combs, but most especially his defensive coordinator, Luke Fickle. Um, and, and that was – you know, Luke came up with Mike Vrabel, mm-hmm. and you know they coached together early on that staff at Ohio State. Um, there was an accountability that was, boy, you were held to a high standard. Mm-hmm. And they had a very, I mean, Urban's this way, like very Saban, um, probably very Belichickian in mm-hmm. terms of even when you win, it sucks. Right, right, it's like exactly. That. Yep, it's you win, and it's like, well, why didn't we win by more? You did this, 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 and right. this. What were you thinking here? Like that was their approach. I could see Denzel Ward thriving in this. I really could. Yeah, and and it would it would be the better form because if you want to give Denzel and, and you're right from the moment he stepped on the football field, and I saw him covering Antonio Brown at the peak of Antonio Brown being Antonio Brown, the good receiver. Denzel shut him down and gave up one yeah. TD, which was a perfect pass and catch. So I was like, okay, this kid can play, and he ended up being a Pro Bowl caliber football player from that point on. But if I was to give one critique to Denzel, I would say the following. You're gonna if you want to take that next step, if you want to be that Revis type, you're gonna have to find a way. Though if you're hurt, you're hurt. I get that. That you are showing by example one your teammates that you are the hardest working individual on this football team, and that you yeah. are a guy who's going to pay the price on a daily basis. Because if you do do that, and if you do take on that approach, you will find yourself getting lauded as one of the best in the business. And you're the the, the ability is there. The desire has to be awakened to get to that place and not just rest on the fact that I'm really good. Do you want to be the best ever? He has the potential to be in that conversation. The question becomes, does he want to be in that conversation, Bo? The the thing that you just laid out for Denzel, and I think it applies, you know, kind of across with a lot of our guys, is a lot of them have established being really good, but it's that next step to great. Right. That you know, you think about that step Joe hit. You played with Tom, hit it early on, a mm-hmm. long time ago. But like, all right, I'm really good. But now we're talking gold jacket. Right. Like you can start to lay the groundwork for gold jacket, but at some point you got to bust through that. And and maybe Schwartz could be somebody that can 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 kind of mine some of that with some of our guys. We'll see. But I'm with you. It was it was world class uh, or orator. That's perfect. That's exactly what it was. Um, it, w- it was a great storyteller, certainly from Jim yesterday. And excited to see what he does on the field. Um, let's have this was from CBS Sports, Gerard. I'm going to go through this. This is their biggest hurdles um, for every NFL playoff contender. All right. Okay. So let's start. Um, actually, let's go in chronological order. So the first game tomorrow is Kansas City and Jacksonville. Uh, which of these is a bigger concern for you? Um, Kansas City's concern, according to CBS Sports in their NFL preview, will the defense provide enough support? 
Conversely, Jacksonville's, did they already hit their emotional peak? <laughs> Which is more troubling? I would say the emotional peak part will not be a problem. If anything, I would say for Kansas City, will the defense come to play? Because if the defense comes to play, I don't see how they lose this game to the Jaguars. And the reason why I dismiss the whole emotional peak part, you're in the playoffs. And if yep. you're Jacksonville, one, what do you have to lose? You weren't even supposed to be at this point in place in time no. which you are right now, sir. You are well ahead of schedule. Go get the experience. Embrace the challenge. There's no pressure on you because no one's, first of all, anticipating you're going to even be winning this football game. And like I said, you're not even supposed to be in the playoffs right now. It should be the Tennessee Titans representing the AFC South, not the Jacksonville last place last year Jaguars, but they find themselves here. So if anything, I'm looking at the Chiefs' bow and I'm saying the defense, that has always been the question mark. You guys are so disrespected, so much of an afterthought for most people when they talk about your football team. Are you going to rise to the occasion? And it's quietly, I think they've been playing pretty good of late. Yeah, they have been. I, the one thing I will say about, I think you're right on Jacksonville, it's all house money for them. Um, the one thing for Kansas City is like, don't give Lawrence belief because he showed what can happen if right. he gets a little of it. I can't believe that kid didn't break. Four interceptions and a half, Gerard. Mm-hmm. Right. Come and, on. And still I mean, how does that not break right. you? Right. But that's that what happens when you have great coaching. Guy can explain yeah. it to you. Here's what you need to do. Settle down. And that was masterful job on the part of, of Peterson to, to pull that caper off. But, I mean, I don't even want to bring the charges into the conversation, though. No. But all it takes is you running the football. I mean, oh my come God! On. Just a little bit. I mean, the times they snapped it with twenty seconds on the on the clock. Why? I mean, that's just, just arrogance, awful. right? Yeah, it is. It's just or ignorance. One of the well, two. One of the two. Both. Lethal combination of them both, right? <laughs> uh, the Giants, they say, can Wink Martindale match Brian Dable and Mike Kafka? So that is the uh, the Giants' question for the Eagles. What exactly is Jalen Hurts' status? I lean on this one. I mm. I like Philly. I think this game could be ultra competitive, but we haven't seen Hurts all the way back. Yeah, yeah, and that last game in which he played to sure up the number one seed, it was the most impressive outing in the last three games. If you think about the Eagles, it's almost like they ran out of steam coming down to the yeah. end of the wire. And here's what I know from experience. you want Even if your quarterback's out, you want to play your best football at the end going into the playoffs mm -hmm. with the momentum behind you, even if you have that week off from the bye standpoint. So I don't think the Giants will – Beat the Eagles because ultimately I just think the Eagles are a better football team. But at the same time, I'm kind of hesitant to say that, Bo. The reason why is I'm a believer that Jones is a new quarterback, that he's a new man. I, I, I'm I like, agree with what you a thousand the world percent. took place there? Well, it's funny. I was you're watching Sunday night or the Sunday night. It was a Sunday night game, and Jason Garrett goes, "My man DJ," and I'm like, "Man, you almost ruined him." What do you mean, your <laughs> man, man DJ? Right. Like Dable resurrected. They were gonna. He, he was a scrap heap. Yes. He was, you don't look like a scrap heap anymore. Right. He was designated for, what do they say in baseball, designated for assignment. Right. <laughs> he was designated done. for backup quarterback. I'm like, I don't know. That, they've, they got something there, that Giants team. It would not yeah. shock me at all. It, that would not. No. Uh, all right. Let's move to the Sunday games. Um, the early one, the three – boy, I love these times. The three o'clock game, and they're so they're three and 6.30. How beautiful is that? The three o'clock game is Buffalo and Cincinnati. Buffalo's big question, according to uh, Cody Benjamin here at CBS, can Josh Allen protect the football? Cincinnati's, can the offensive line survive another loss? Boy, oh, these are both. That's right on. The whole, right. That's the whole game right there, isn't it, for that he, one? He nailed it, and I can already answer one of them. Josh Allen never protects the football. He's a waiting interception no. thrower to 
every moment that he steps on the football field because that's just yeah. how he plays the game. He's that gunslinger mentality, and you need that confidence in you. But you assume he's going to give you one or two opportunities. Bill used to say this all the time about certain quarterbacks, in particular Ben Roethlisberger. He's going to give you yeah. one or two chances every game. And lo and behold, Josh Allen falls in that same paradigm as well. But I'm looking at the situation with the Bengals, and now yeah. you have all these guys who you spend all this money on to sure up your offensive line. And you managed last year to get to the Super Bowl with the poorest of offensive lines. Now they're starting to hurt, and you saw what could take place with that. Now, the Bills' defensive line can get to you, but they're not like the commanders or no. – or a front like that. So Philly, I think that no. gives, or like the Eagles or something like that. So I think that lends to the idea that I would be more concerned about Josh Allen putting the Bengals in a position to succeed more so than and Burrow has already shown that he can survive an onslaught of, of attacks. I think you're right. I think that the, you know, Cincinnati dealt with this a year ago. They can scheme it up a little bit. And I think no Von Miller in Buffalo, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's nothing that fearsome about that Bills D front. I mean, it's it's nice, but it's not game wrecker. Mm-hmm. So if Vaughn was still there, that would be a little bit oh, different. different He's conversation, not, you're right. Totally different. I, I think it's Allen. Allen has been incredible. It felt like last year towards the end he, he was limiting it. Now it feels like he's leaning back right it. back into back, it. Bad habits. Back to him. He's back into some bad habits. Yeah. And then finally, the uh, the Sunday night game, it's a great one for us old guys. My God, I mean, this was my youth. This is like summer all Madden, and we get it two years in a row. Cowboys at 49ers. Uh, 49ers <laughs> favorites in this one. Uh, the Cowboys question, can they stay hot as the spotlight gets brighter? The San Francisco question, is Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy finally due to hit a wall? One of these things I have no concern about. The other one... I'm not sure it would even matter. Which one of you? Uh, which one of these do you think gets closest to home? Uh, you don't mess me up because now I've, I got caught up in nostalgia thinking about the catch with Dwight Clark. And <laughs> oh <was>. man, <laughs> oh, this is your youth. Me. I mean, you lived this, man. I, I, I mean, this I, is Bay Area. Come on, I was Bay Area. I, I saw it up close. And the crazy thing when you go into the '90s bowl, which, which was crazy because the 49ers owned the Cowboys in the '80s. But yeah. when you get to the '90s, it was like the 49ers could beat the Cowboys, but the Cowboys couldn't beat the Packers. And then 49ers couldn't beat with the Packers. And it was like that. Right, it that, all traded. The back and yeah. forth right between those three teams throughout the 90s getting the job done in the NFC. But ultimately, I think Purdy's good to go. And the reason I why I too. say that is that they're not asking him to do anything insane. Right now they're asking him to be what? A game manager. Take what the defense gives you. Don't do anything elaborate. You're not in a position where we need you to take chances like a Josh Allen is doing. Mm-hmm. Just throw it to where we scheme you to be open. And what do they have on their side? They have one of the best coordinators. And granted, he would like to take back what took place against the Patriots in that Super Bowl, doing it for Atlanta as a coordinator. But I, I at least worry about the 49ers and Purdy. I would not be surprised if we see Purdy starting in the Super Bowl. And what imagine that type of story that's going to be from Mr. Relevant to possible Super Bowl MVP. I mean, you live this with Brady. I mean, you yeah, can do it. It looks very you, familiar. I mean, he wasn't Mr. Irrelevant, but, I mean, he he did it. You can – I just think right now Purdy's just doing exactly – he's Geppetto. I mean, he's a puppet on a string, and Kyle's pulling all the right strings. And I don't know if it's possible, but it feels like we almost undervalued the McCaffrey trade to San Francisco mm-hmm. because of, I think, McCaffrey's health. There was a play last week where they had – they had Debo lined up at tailback behind Juszczyk. They had McCaffrey out wide. So it takes their individual skill sets to be able to do all of those right. things. They put Juszczyk in motion. The defense shifts, so that tells Purdy what's coming. 
the entire operation, offensive line, use check, Debo, they all go like they're running a toss, right, to the mm -hmm. left. The entire defense takes two steps with them. Purdy fakes it, turns around. He's got McCaffrey on a slant, right? There's no one even there right. because everything they did manipulated it. Yeah. And that type of stuff that Kyle's doing right now, I said this a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. on the show, Gerard, I think he's the one true genius in football right now, offensive football. Right. I think it's Kyle. Everyone else has variations of it. But it doesn't matter who his quarterback is. Kind of doesn't matter who his running backs are. But when he has these running backs and he has these weapons, good night, nurse. Right. And outside, and I and I, I agree with you. Only thing I would say is that I find Andy Reid to be on that same level from a play Fair. play design standpoint. But what you love about that play you just described, Bo, is the fact that he really created what's called an H at H angle, which normally takes place out of the backfield. He schemes it up so that the guy's isolated, sends everybody to that side, as you just described, and now, yep. okay, it's McCaffrey versus a one-on-one -on -one situation with either a linebacker or a safety in the open field. Who's going to win that? Right. <laughs> yeah. But that's just it. So that you married the scheme within Debo and McCaffrey's individual talents, it's it's, a, it's almost not fair. And we talked about the McCaffrey trade knowing that it was a good fit, mm -hmm. but I don't even know if it got the full attention that it deserves well, because he was hurt all the time. You well, know? Believe me, they will be looking at that play, and guess how oh. many teams will be copying that play? Oh, gosh, you'll see it. You may see it this week. Well, that's all a right, telltale uh, sign right there. When someone copies your play, you know you've done something special. You did it right. That's right. All right, coming up next, we'll play a little fact or fiction. Uh, we will have the Tom Brady conversation with our good man, Gerard. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. I also got to be a fly on the wall and listen to Bill Belichick and Nick Saban and Scott O'Brien and Kirk Ferentz and Gosh, you name it. Um, just, it was just unbelievable. And I was young. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have a family. I lived here at the office. And um, even though I have a degree from Georgetown, I got my degree in footballology. I mean, PhD in footballology from um, from the Browns and from Bill Belichick. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And fans, mark your calendars. Face up on the lake presented by Meyer, the first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy. It's February 18th, Buckeyes Wolverines. Tickets on sale now starting at just 12 bucks. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or call 440-891-5050 on that. Time to play a little fact or fiction with my good friend Gerard Cherry here on Cleveland Browns Daily. Let's start with this one, Mr. Cherry. Fact or fiction. Tom Brady will not be back with the Bucks next season. Hmm. I'm going to go fiction with that, Bo. What? Yes, what? fiction. What? I don't, I don't see him going to Vegas. And I'm, and I'm putting personal reasons on it. I think the situation, obviously, we we're all aware of the divorce, and that's troublesome in its own right, and that can definitely distract a guy. But if you're a family man, which he is, and your kids are going to be on the East Coast. I don't see him going to Vegas, though it makes the most sense to go there and hook up with Josh. Now, Miami could be an interesting scenario, but I don't know how that plays itself out because something tells me Lamar Jackson might end up in Miami. <laughs> so, and the firing of Byron was probably, in some way, a way to appease Tom with some changes taking place with the offense. So, 
I'm going to say that he's going to stay put. So fiction. I'm I'm going to go fact. Um, I agree with you. You know him. You know him. I don't know him at all. Um, I don't. Th- I don't buy Vegas either for mm-hmm. what you said. I. The only one that I thought maybe would be like, would he acquiesce for one year with the Niners? But I don't think that they would they even need to do that right. at this point. Like they they've got answers already there. So I think he. I do think he'll play one more year. I'm not sure if it'll it'll be Miami or wherever. I don't think it'll be in Tampa. I think it went really bad off the rails this year there. Do you think there's any chance he would go back to New England no and chance. finish? No chance. None. Done. I, I think been there, done that, okay. and the roster itself doesn't present an opportunity to win. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. All right, next. Fact or fiction? Brandon Staley should not be the head coach of the Chargers next season. This is Gibby's. <laughs> Man. Uh, and we spoke earlier about the collapse and the arrogance and the what was the other word you used? <laughs> ignorance, and ignorance. Arrogance. Both. <laughs> it's, it's weird that you. It's a hell of a lethal combination if you're both arrogant and ignorant. Yeah, that'll get you killed or that'll get you fired. You're right. That's a bad, <laughs> bad combo, buddy. It certainly is. But I'm gonna go ahead and say, Bo, much to my chagrin, fiction. He should not get fired. The reason why I'm saying that is if your quarterback's going to bat for you and you have a great relationship with your quarterback, and you can push him, he understands you, he respects you, and all those things. That's the most important relationship on a football team. It's not owner-head coach. It's head coach-quarterback. What happened Saturday is a fireable offense because they have a roster that's a win-now roster, and you can't waste years with win-now rosters. But I also knew that there was no chance he was going to be fired because I knew that ownership wasn't going to pay somebody not to coach, and that ownership wasn't going to pay somebody $20 million to coach him in Sean Payton. So that was all a ridiculous pipe dream. I mean, my God, Gerard, the L.A. Chargers pay rent to play football home games. The Spanos family, is they are not throwing money around, man. So, like, that ain't happening. So I knew that it wouldn't be the case. So it's uh, it's absolutely – it's a fact he should not be. It's fiction that it was ever even considered. Next – Fact or fiction? The AFC Championship game will be played at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. So that for that to happen, of course, the Bills would have to beat the Bengals and the Chiefs would have to beat the Jaguars. Oh, man. I don't see the Bills beating the Bengals, so I guess fiction. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, it, it got lost in all, and appropriately so, in the DeMar Hamlin stuff, but... Mm-hmm. The fact that this game is going to take place Sunday in Buffalo is kind of crazy because if this game had played out in Cincinnati 1, the game would have been down in Cincinnati. Cincinnati right now. And yeah, and they didn't make this one a neutral site. And they should have. They should have. Cincinnati's not happy mm-hmm. about it, as you can imagine. So um, not that that only goes so far, right? That emotional stuff that only goes so far, like you got to execute – um, yeah. But no, I'm with you. I, I think that that uh, that the AFC Championship game will be in Kansas City. Yeah, but you don't at the same time, Bo. And I've seen this like the 2007 Patriots, for example. These dudes were talking about tickets. I'm like, man, who cares if the Giants got better tickets than you guys? Who cares? Right. You can't be concerned about surf about that. You got a chance to have a perfect record. You talking about yeah. tickets? <laughs> Isn't that something? Yeah, you surprised like even man. in those moments. Even those moments, even those I'm moments. like. Man, all their family members right behind their bench. <laughs> I'm like, what do you want me to say, dog? Focus on the game. 
Like going down is unequivocally the greatest team in the history of football versus where your family's seated at, seated at the Super Bowl. Sometimes that's what goes through a mind, I guess. Um, all right, second hour coming up next. We will do a little guess. Uh, we got scores coming up, a, a special Thursday edition. Uh, we got some over unders as well. Uh, we'll get a preview of the Eagles and the Giants from Dave, Dave Spare, a good friend of the program. He will join us coming up at two fifteen on that one, and also the matchups in the NFC at large. Uh, we've got some mailbag questions for you. We want to get to this Greg Roman hiring, or rather dismissal in Baltimore as well. All of that and so much more. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Ballybet coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. I'll forget most plays of the Super Bowl that I was with with the Eagles. I'll forget just about every play in that game. But what I won't forget is that parade afterwards. It's indelible in my mind. I'll never forget it. And in my mind, there's only one place that would outdo that parade in Philadelphia. And, um, and we're here right now. So I, I'm really excited about getting to work. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, second hour here, Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio. Bo Bishop, Gerard Cherry with you here for the final hour, as we were for the first hour. You heard Jim Schwartz talk about that Super Bowl in Philly. As he's talking, I'm thinking to myself, um, and it goes both ways, too. I mean, if if Seattle runs the ball to Marshawn Lynch, then the Patriots don't have that Super Bowl. But there's also the two Giants ones are just crazy the circumstances of those two losses and that Philly loss was the same the fact that like Nick Foles was that that was going to happen that Philly team was legit but that run was storybook at the what ifs on the Patriots run it really could have been more Mm -hmm. and yeah you could take one away but it really could have been more you could have maybe I was at their first one the one down in New Orleans uh with the Venetieri kick when they when everyone I'm never forget listening to the I was in the stadium and they had the Madden Summerall piped in Uh and saying you know, Madden. I'm sure. I'm, I'm almost positive. I remember this pretty vividly. They got to, you know, play for overtime. Here. Right. He said that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nope. Don't think so. <laughs> no, no. We're gonna. Well, at that point, I think we'll I go think, win it. Yeah. I think Bill felt that they were getting their momentum back, and when everything that we were doing was starting not to work, and I think time was running out, so he made the stupid decision. And I would go as far as saying, far as my time there, Bo, we start off that that next year on fire, four and zero. But then we start yeah. doing all the things that teams unfortunately do you start as my mom would say smelling yourself and believing that you're all that and then some and you don't start doing the things necessary to stay at the top because you're getting everyone's a plus effort so we went on this losing streak basically in the middle part of the season and then when we started to get back on track it was down to us and the browns of all teams for who was going to make the playoffs and i believe we need the jets to win or something like that because it was no longer in our hands the Jets did not come through. The Browns were in the playoffs and end up losing that playoff game, I believe, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I could Pittsburgh, be wrong. yeah. But I do know this. Had we gotten the playoffs, I'm pretty certain I'd be a four-time Super Bowl champion. I think I think that's true. You people you forget about that one, right? I mean, that's how that's how fragile these moments are, and that's what's so amazing about that run that you were a part of is is to have it bats. Mhm. To exactly. have consistent at bats and bites at the apple. That's all you ask for is is to have those, and, and you had a lot of them. Um, the bites at the apple are going to be very different uh, in Baltimore as Greg Roman is out as offensive coordinator. Um, it was said today that it was you know he's going to pursue other opportunities. I don't read it that way at all. Um, to 
this could be jumping to conclusions, but that's what we do in Sports Talk Radio. Right. It feels to me like we're going to change in direction of the way we play offensive football. Right. It makes all sense in the world because you do not – no organization wants to be held hostage by one player. And I don't fault Lamar for the approach that he took because in a lot of ways I also blame Baltimore. One, you're having conversations with him about his worth. You should have said, you know what, Lamar, we're not comfortable with this conversation. Have someone represent yeah. you. And because you obviously overestimate what you thought the relationship was. And then you pay a guy who's not even been on their squad for an entire year in Smith, the highest paid linebacker of all time. And he hasn't been there for a year. So imagine yeah. how that's going to, how Jackson's going to perceive that. He's been there the entirety of his career. So you went wrong in that regard. And then the other part simply is, Lamar can simply be like, you know what? I am team doctor as well. I'm ruling myself out like he did this past weekend. You can't have that and maintain a winning culture. Harbaugh knows that. Ozzie Newsom knows that. And the other guys who are about about that culture, because it is a winning culture, they do do that, understand it can't be about one guy. And they may have to move on. They should move on, to be honest with you. They're – the word – everything you just said there that you laid out so eloquently, all of the things, the common denominator is the word trust. When trust is lost between an athlete and an organization or an athlete and a coach or vice versa, it's done. And you can't get it back. Right. So you can act like it, but it's there's always kernels that are back there. Mm-hmm. And they could come back and they could franchise him and make him but it's cooked. And maybe they realize that too. Um but but that's a big move in our division in terms of what the trajectory because that defense is a deal. Right. It's a full day. Um and if if they want to move in a more traditional style at quarterback, we know Derek Carr is going to be available. Who knows how else this thing could play out over the course of the next month or so? Um, you know, you you go back to a year ago at this time. Who did you think would be available, and then who ended up being available? It was kind of two different things. So we'll see what happens. But that's big news out of Baltimore. Um, speaking of coordinators moving on, the Buccaneers have fired up. That's coordinator Byron Leftwich after four seasons with the team. Gerard, he went from a year ago being like maybe this guy's going to be a head coach, right? Now to now jobless, right. done. Right. Think about that. Unemployed. Crazy. That Life quick. comes at you quick. Yeah. Yeah. Feels like it had to happen. They were a bad football team this year. Well, the they thing really I don't were. get though, if this it's just this it's this weird dichotomy in that Bo. All right, he called a ton of now. Did he just was it him who said, you know what, Tom, I want you to throw like six hundred yep. times, or was it the fact that the running back sixty six times Monday? Oh, that was just Monday. Think about the entire yeah. guy in his late mid forties throwing that many times in a football season makes no yeah. sense for starters. Yeah. So why not establish a run? So if he was making those calls, that I question and scratch my head like, okay, that makes no sense. So I hence I get the firing because I think still, though, the major thing on that is and I can't see Tom throwing someone on the bus, but maybe simply was, oh, hey, man, we're going to try to go in another direction. You got somebody you like, and they went there with it. So we'll see, yeah. obviously. Yeah. NFL announcing today there will be five games in Europe next season. Man, are uh, we one five of them? T- We are not. Uh, that would have been fun, right? Uh, Bills, Titans, and Jaguars designated home teams for the games in London, and then Chiefs and Patriots designated for the home teams for the games in Germany. So no uh, European trips for us next year. Oh, it's coming, um, man! It's coming. It's coming for sure. That yeah. that that league and that European league is. I give it ten to fifteen years, man. We're oh, gonna yeah. figure out some way to have teams. We're gonna have. You need a, a couple. Have, you need three. You need probably four over there. In order to make it so that the travel would work? Yeah, everybody's going to have to travel. And then, obviously, they're going to have to have extended times in which they're over here, and they just yes. pretty much camp out on the East Coast for two or three weeks on the West Coast and vice versa. So the logistics, I'm already planning it out. I see it happening. 
I agree with you. I think it's happening too. And Germany's ready for it. England's ready for it. So I, I don't think it's that hard to do. There's a ton of money in it, which drives all of this stuff. The thing that I was most excited about was the idea of Andy Reid in Germany eating and drinking. <laughs> right. That feels like a win for well, everybody. A quick story um, of Andy Reid. I played yeah, yeah. for him with, with the Eagles. Yeah. And I never understood that because I got to the team like the third or fourth game of the season. And I'm like, why is this dude always talking about hamburgers? In particular, let's go out there, guys, and get some cheeseburgers. I'm like, this yeah. is the wackiest go out there, get ready for a game <laughs> speech I've ever heard in my life. Let's go get some cheeseburgers. Yeah. So it just goes to show you, you do not have to be Newt Rockney in order to be very successful as a head coach. <laughs> So that's why that was so special when they gave him the cheeseburger at the end of the season this year and that clip that went viral. He's been saying that for 20 years. Dude, yeah, cheeseburgers. I don't get it. That's so funny. I don't get it, dog. Oh, that's great. Uh, Rams defensive tackle Aaron Donald indicates he's not retiring this offseason per his response to Peter Schrager. I'm playing. Never said I wasn't. Um, also, I heard Chris Long, who knows Aaron from uh -huh. when they were both with the Rams, saying that he wouldn't be surprised if he played in Pittsburgh or Philly, uh, which leads me to believe that he's going to try to get his way out of L.A., which would make sense for everybody. Yeah, well, I'm surprised. I don't need him in I do not want him right, in Pittsburgh. No, we, dang, oh, Good gosh, God. No, we do not him want and Cam see, Hayward that Watt? <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> yeah, no. that, that would hurt our feelings and Watson's. Oh. But, yeah, man, that, I don't want to retire because I love the commercials that he's involved in. You see that one yeah. with A.A. <laughs> <A>. Ron? A.A. <laughs> Ron, that's good. Very, very good. Um, Steelers offense scoring Matt Canada will return to the team in 2023. That's surprising, but it, it didn't. It, me too. Yeah, I would agree the Steelers don't do that. They don't fall into that type of pressure. They stick with their guys. They do. Uh, let's follow. Uh, let's do a couple of quick acts CBDs. Uh, this from Jersey Dog. What speedy wide receiver should the Brown side trade for? I mean, there's not a lot out I there looked, in free agency. Yeah, it's not it's not an impressive group of candidates. No, and I also th and we're gonna do it because it's what we do. But when we start projecting like the 42nd pick in the draft, I mean that's tough. Yeah, that's really tough to be able to do. So there there'll be a guy in the draft, and they need to hit on it. Yeah, it's something that they need. My hunch would be that it will be easy to pursue defensive line and and tackle via free agency and easier to pursue the receiver in the draft yeah I, I from a quality standpoint you're you're probably right Bo but here's the thing about receivers you can find a guy in the fifth sixth round as yeah. a, hey okay I'm not asking you to run every route the way Amari Cooper does but can you get deep can you beat guys off the line of scrimmage and can you blow the top off for coverage and do you run under a four four? With your shoulder pads on. <laughs> you That's an important part of it, yeah. And if you, you can do that. that, you can might work. You can make this thing work. That's a that's a requirement, absolutely. This from John Clee. He says, what's your go-to sandwich? Do you have a go-to sandwich, Gerard? Oh, my man, they must know me because I am the sandwich king. I make a sandwich out of everything, Bo. You give me two pieces of bread, it could be meatloaf involved or whatever, I can make a <laughs> spaghetti even. I can make a sandwich out. But if I was to say my go-to sandwich, one that I like. Yep. I have to give you two, dog. I'm sorry. I love sandwiches as much. This is a serious topic. Give it for to me. me. I, got, be the, I got my pen. It's going to be the Cuban. Yep. And you could do a variation with that. You can sometimes substitute the ham with roast beef. I like it. And also, nothing is better than a club, man. A club sandwich. A classic club it. with bacon, lettuce, a little bit of yeah, tomato. That's so good. I'm hungry toasted, for all of it now. Toasted Come just on. right with mayo and so, cool lettuce. Uh, it's a, such a win. I, it's funny. I um, 
as you were going through all of that, and, I, and the first sam, like the, my favorite sandwich that I've ever had, and I only can you could I only get them at Publix, Publix sub in Florida, uh, the roast beef sub, fire. With, Oh my it. God! Have you had the meatball sub there? Oh, they're all home runs. I mean, that, the I, public sub—it's a different I, level. I go to that grocery but, store just for lunch when I'm in just South for, Florida <laughs> or in Florida it. in general. I'm like it's straight there. Fire! The, give me a subway. <laughs> yeah, we do the roast beef with the with the onions, tomatoes, uh, salt, pepper, vinegar, oil, and just a little mayo. Just, it's simple, but it's—I don't know what it is, but it's perfect. Uh, real quick, this one from Drew Dutton. Um, from the Yellowstone Dutton Ranch. He says, thanks for doing it. You're welcome, Drew. Happy to help. He said, if you had to drink one soup for all your hydration needs for the rest of your life, what would it be? One soup. Yeah. <sighs> That's easy. Hmm. My hydration a, needs. My guys at Aladdin do a, like, it's called a V9. Uh-huh. It's really good veggie soup. And I feel like I could just eat that forever and be ultra healthy. Right. So there you go, Drew. How many times have you been to California? You might be familiar with this place. Oh, lots. Yeah, we, I was married out there. Out All there right, lots. so this is a spot called Anderson's. It's in the Grapevine. Mm. They have this split pea soup. Oh. It's some of the best soup we got it possibly. shipped to us. <laughs> oh, you know about They shipped this, us huh? cans. Oh, yeah, they shipped us. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about it. Yeah, they shipped it. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Great question, young Drew. Uh, from out west. All right, coming up next, uh, Eagles insider Dave Spadaro joins us to preview the Giants and the Eagles. That's coming up next. We'll get you the scores, the over-unders coming up as well. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, welcome back into Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio. Bo Bishop, Gerard Cherry with you here on a Thursday edition as we head out on the hotline, the Twisted Tea Hard Iced Tea Hotline. In fact, the official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns, Keep It Twisted Cleveland. Our good buddy Dave Spadaro joining us, of course, to preview the Giants and the Eagles. He is the Eagles insider. We was here at camp. We talked to him then. It was a lot of fun. Your team delivered. Ours did not. I guess before we get to Schwartz and all the rest of it, what has this ride been like with this Eagles team you talked in camp. You were high on them, Dave. I remember talking to you in camp how high you were on them. Did they exceed at their best what you thought they would be, or did you think this was all in play this season for them? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think they really. I mean, when you only, when you win the fourteen games in the regular season, I'm not sure anybody really sees that necessarily coming. I, mean, I thought it would be a really good team. Uh, I think. I think the feeling right now, guys, honestly, is that it's. it's you know, there's there's so much more to accomplish. So I, I can't really say that they've accomplished what I expected them to, because when you go into a season and you know you have a good team, and I think I've been around long enough to see a really good team in the making, you just you, you expect more. So um, it is a very good football team. They're really deep. Uh, the way that Howie Roseman has bolstered the roster throughout the season, I mean, made such a huge difference. And the way the quarterback grew into a legitimate MVP candidate who just, I mean, answered every single question um, I I think there's more more ahead here for this football team. Uh, certainly to this point, it has been impressive. And and there were times when you just kind of like watched them in like a, a video game and the way they score points and the big plays and domination. And so um, all in all, I mean, I, I think that um, it's certainly probably the best regular season I've seen 
and that includes 2004, which is an outstanding team, 13-1 and before they rested their regulars. Um, Tio got hurt at the end of the season there. 2017, uh, really, really dominated. Carson Wentz got injured late in the season. They kind of struggled down the stretch, as this team did. So there are similarities there. But I think all in all, this, this is probably the best regular season Eagles team I've seen. And Dave, thanks again for joining us. And I've been saying this ad nauseum because I'm a big guy on preseason training camp, and I'm convinced that one of the reasons why this football team has done so well this season in particular is how they approach training camp and that they were like men on mission, that they were gone constantly. And obviously there's ladies in the organization as well, but the organization itself, you go to one place, you practice. You go to another place and practice. And how they approach training camp, can you give us some more insight on that? Because I've been preaching it that – we need to take that approach of practice against who you can practice since the games itself doesn't take on that grave of meeting because of the shortening of it. Yeah, it's so interesting because over the years, obviously training camp has changed. And, and there are times, frankly, when you go, and certainly when veterans, you know, former players come back and they stand on the sidelines and they watch training camp these days, they go, what in the world is this hour and 40-minute practice? Right. Why isn't anybody getting tackled? Why isn't there, you know, blood on the field? Um, I, I think the joint practices are tremendously valuable. And, in fact, I, I really – I still recall and, and, and bring to light things I saw in the practices against the Browns. For example, you know, those practices really brought to some – like when you blitz the Eagles, what's the answer going to be? So uh, we saw in the you know, first game of the regular season, the, the Lions blitz the Eagles, the answer is, Jalen Hurst takes off and runs, mm-hmm. and that backs off the blitz. And and um, so and then and then when Jalen wasn't in the lineup for a couple games, and Dallas and then the Saints put pressure on the backfield, Gardner Minshew didn't have that ability to take off and run. So it it really stymied the offense. But I think that practicing in, and remember the Eagles were in Cleveland and then Miami, right, back to back. So we came home for like thirty six hours, and it was it was it was a really good time to bond. It was a very taxing time because frankly at the end of that Miami trip in the preseason finale was just a disaster the Eagles got blown out by the Dolphins but by the end of that everybody was like let's get the heck home this is mm-hmm. too long away but I think it really did pay benefits uh, that you have seen throughout the season and um, you know they did the Eagles practice there it's a very concise practice uh, it's a very intense practice it's actually more of an emphasis on fundamentals and and you and you see in the playoffs things like you know ineligible man downfield penalties and uh, pre-snap penalties and things that uh, you, you would practice in a, in a training camp environment that have come back to bite teams that maybe aren't as kind of uh, pay attention to the, to the details like this team has. And, and one area that I'll really emphasize here is that, you know, giveaway takeaways throughout the season, the Eagles were far and away the best in the NFL in that category, in the takeover, in the, in the turnover category, plus 15 at one point this season. Now, down the stretch, they really struggled. A tough game in Dallas with Minshew. Tough game against New Orleans with Minshew. Uh, they finished at a plus eight. So it's still okay, but you saw how much they struggled in games where they gave the football away. Washington, lose. Uh, Dallas, four turnovers, lost. Uh, big turnover against the Saints, pick six, lost that game. So um, those kind of things, they were something they work on, rep, 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 emphasize, emphasize, emphasize in training camp and in practices, which are no longer the two-and-a-half, three-hour practices that we enjoyed so much as fans in the in the 
good old days. Now it's <laughs> get in, get out, but make sure the work matters. Well, the work the work was put. In, I mean, as soon as you guys got up the bus, it was like, and you saw the defensive line. We I remember thinking like, okay, this is a different look here. I mean, so you knew that was going to be the case. But I remember asking you this, Dave, in, in camp, saying, well, what do you make of Hertz? Like, is he really? This was a, it was a fun first season. Is is he ready to elevate into something special? And and boy, did he ever! So two parter. Um, what's his health going to be like for Saturday? Is he all the way back? And and then the second thing would be. How did he transform into – I mean, he might not win the MVP. It'll probably be Mahomes, but he's probably going to be the second pick. That's a remarkable thing for a kid who, coming out of Alabama, a lot of people didn't know if he even had a future quarterback. Yeah, I would say that, from first of all, from the health standpoint, he's fine. He's off the injury list. Um, so, you know, that's an indication that he – I think you'll see Jalen Hurts be Jalen Hurts on Saturday night against the Giants. Now, is he all the way, all the way, all the way back? I mean, there's still – pain that he's got to deal with in the shoulder but I don't think there's any concern look I mean he's still got to get down when he's running he's still got to get out of bounds and avoid avoid hits but in the finale against the Giants I mean there was almost an edict do not run do not put yourself in jeopardy let's figure out a way to win this game against the Giants backups with a you know a half half an offensive scheme and do not get hurt um so he didn't run but in this game on Saturday night, I think you'll see him. If there's running lanes, he'll take them. I mean, this is playoffs. You win or you go home. There's there's no holding back. And I, I don't think Jalen will hold back at all. And I think from a throwing standpoint, he's, he's perfectly fine. I think one thing that really has happened with Jalen, look, I mean, there's a lot of pieces around him. So I'll give a lot of credit to, to what the Eagles have put around him. Great offensive line, good running game, outstanding receivers and tight end. Jalen has worked extremely hard on his mechanics. He gets rid of the football much faster. Second year in the system, we talked about it back in the summer, means a ton. It, this is the first time since high school that he's been in the same scheme for two straight years. So he gets to learn the second year of the language. And he's been much more decisive, much more understanding of the concepts, where to go with the football, throwing uh, to spots. Uh, he, he just really is in command when he's on the field. He's always been unflappable, but... You know, there's an element last year where, well, I'll make a read, and if it's not there, I'm going to run. He doesn't do that anymore. He's, he's certainly much more patient in the pocket, but he's much, much faster in his decision-making. I think that makes a huge difference. And I think, like, with you guys, Deshaun Watson, like, he comes back after basically missing two seasons. You know, what do you expect from him? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. you're going to see a totally different quarterback next year because he's in his system for a second year. He's playing for a second straight year. And, you know, it's just, it's just it becomes natural instead of, working through it and kind of like thinking before you play with Jalen this year was very very instinctual and you saw a quarterback playing at a high high speed and Dave you give me an excellent segue because speaking of seeing another quarterback I think you're going to see another quarterback a different one that is in Daniel Jones because I don't think he's the same guy that you played against the first time around for sure but he seems like he has elevated his game tremendously have guys on that in that locker room and the coaches as well taking note of how Daniel Jones for the Giants is playing at a higher level Oh, my gosh, yeah. And, and one really great perspective is, is comes from James Bradbury, um, who was a cornerback with the Giants for two years. The Giants uh, released him. He comes to the Philadelphia Eagles. He becomes a second-team All-Pro. He's had an outstanding season. And in New York, you know, there were injuries on the offensive line. And Daniel, jo uh, Daniel Jones took major hits and was banged up. And you know, they really didn't have the weapons. Wide receivers hurt. And, and, there, and, and so the Giants didn't pick up his fifth-year option. And – there was a lot of well, Daniel Jones was, will never be that guy. And Bradbury told me yesterday that it, he was always very respectful of 
of Jones, who, who kept his mouth shut, who worked really hard, who sat in the front of the room taking notes. You could see the talent. He was a tough guy. They just didn't have – they really just didn't play to his talents. It was, it was kind of like trying to fit this offense without the pieces. And now what I think the Giants have done and what the players and coaches here certainly understand is they have built an offense around the skills that they have around his mobility, around Saquon Barkley's dual threat ability as a running back and as a receiver. And Daniel Jones, I mean, my gosh, what he, the way he played in Minnesota, 300 yards passing, two touchdowns, 78 yards rushing, a record in, in the NFL for postseason quarterbacks on the ground. I mean, tremendous performance, um, tough guy. Eagles know that he's going to run a ton of bootlegs. He's going to try to get outside the pocket. They're going to have designed runs. He's going to keep plays alive with his legs. The defensive linemen are dreading this chase that they're going to have on Saturday night. And by the way, he's got a huge arm with some receivers that he really trusts. So it is a totally different quarterback, a totally different team. And the Giants have done a great job under Brian Dable of turning things around very quickly. Dave, I'll get you out of here on this one. Jim Schwartz introduced here yesterday. Um, he was at the top of the list over here. They made the higher in short order. You're obviously very familiar. What can our defense, what can our fans expect out of a Jim Schwartz defense next season? So Jim Schwartz, I think it's a great hire. I mean, he was so instrumental in the Super Bowl season for the Eagles. Even before that, when the Eagles were going through all these injuries in previous years, uh, terrific, and in and, and post years, um, of, of defense always keeping the team in games, uh, takes the football away. Now, he will not blitz a ton, and the reason he doesn't blitz a ton is because he hopes he doesn't have to, and he's always relied on an outstanding front in which the Cleveland Browns have, and if your front is winning, uh, you will see coverages on the back end that mix a lot that work very well in tandem. Uh, you're not going to see a lot of busts or big plays. Um, I, look, in Philly – if you don't blitz, Philadelphia is so in love with what Buddy Ryan did a hundred years ago. I mean, <laughs> even today, Jonathan Gannon gets a ton of criticism because he doesn't blitz enough. He doesn't blitz enough. Well, the Eagles are like a, one of the top three defenses in the NFL, and for some <laughs> Eagles fans, that's not enough. And a team that took the football away, I think, is at a rate of the third most in the NFL. So, so team, you know, if you're expecting Jim to blitz a lot, it's not going to happen. He really relies on a great front four, very sound defensively, excellent communicator. Uh, you're going to have great leadership. They're going to be tough. Uh, I think he's a great fit for Cleveland. Not surprised at all that his quote-unquote retirement didn't last because Jim <laughs> is a football junkie and is um, a really, really cerebral guy, interesting guy. I love the, I love the man. I think he's an extremely fun guy to deal with. And um, as, a, as a coach uh, and in press conferences, the fans, you'll get great answers. You'll hear a lot of football ease. He'll, he'll speak it like it is. Um, he will – be very tough on his players, um, and if you can build a good front, if you're really happy with your front, uh, then then the rest will follow. And, and I know Cleveland has a lot of pieces on defense. I know there were several injuries that were really key. And, um, look, Jim's not going to give up big plays, uh, but he's going to produce yeah. a lot. You're going to get a lot of sacks. And I just think your defense is going to take a big jump forward. I, I really believe in Jim Schwartz. I was very surprised when he said he was going to step away from the game. Now not surprised at all that – he, he was with Tennessee last year, good defense there until injuries took apart that defense, and um, ready to go in Cleveland, and I think you're going to really enjoy Jim Schwartz as your coordinator. Dave, we always enjoy every bit of time you give us. Thanks for giving us a little bit of it today, and good luck this weekend to the Eagles. Should be a fun one. Hey, thank you so much, and uh, maybe we'll see you next summer. Maybe you guys will be coming to Philly. Who knows? We'd love to. I'd love to do it. That'd be a, that'd be a ball. That'd be great. Thanks, man.
All right, guys, thank you. Take care. Have a great weekend. All right, that's Dave Spadaro. He's the best, man, on the Twisted Tea Hard Ice Tea Hotline, official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted, Cleveland. Uh, we'll hit the over-under game. We'll do uh, a Thursday edition of the scores coming up as well. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Hi, right, welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Bo and Gerard with you, as we have been for the first hour and a half of this program. Joined now on the hotline by Gibbe. Gibbe, you could play golf here today. It's sunny in like 50. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm no, sure yours is better. Uh, no. Well, it would be. The clubs are, are not here yet. I'm still oh. – uh, they'll come tomorrow. But that's okay because uh, just a, a lot to do, just opening up the the, uh, the in-laws establishment down here and uh, yeah, dealing with a little bit of hurricane damage. Mm. So uh, – Everything know, okay? But, uh, yeah, we're getting there. I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, there's a lot of people down here and not to – start off all serious but there's a lot yeah. of people down here that still need a lot of help and i think that yeah. wow. people you know for about a week it's top of mind and then it kind of goes away but there's like there's people living on the beach down here in tents that they don't have anywhere else to go wow it's, yeah it's one it's you're pretty, right it's i got it really it's pretty crazy yeah. yeah you you those things it those we are so add as a society now like something happens and we're on to the next thing and it's like well they're still living it and have been for a long time. Um, absolutely brutal there. On a lighter note, how close yeah, you, you go, sent a text. The you, you and and Hoff and and Z and myself are on a text chain. And as you were described, like my night was very different as we're knee deep in flu grossness um, and uh, coming out the other side of it. And your night to me felt a lot like Kramer's at Del Boca Vista. Um, in Seinfeld, it felt like you were Kramer, like you were like living your best life amongst in the Del Boca Vista community. I mean, it, and you're the DD, well, like the whole operation felt like a win for me and you. Well, it, it, it was, and we hadn't even gotten to the, the old homestead. We hadn't even gotten to the compound where everything, uh, you know, the gated community, like we got off the plane and by the time we got the rental car and everything, it was like almost five o'clock and, you know, no one had really eaten all day. So it was like, all right, where can we find a spot? And. You know, we found this this dive, you know, this little dive bar uh, halfway between the airport and the, you know, we're we're probably 25 minutes from the airport. Found a spot for dinner and we were sitting outside just enjoying the night. Some guy walked in and goes, "You guys want to play bingo for drinks?" And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> of course I do." <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> and yes, I'm the we're the youngest people here, but that's great. Perfect. Let's go thrive. Amazing. Absolutely. I, amazing. I had two. I, I was playing. Three different bingo cards, one about four drinks. Um, <laughs> the the in laws had themselves a night. I had to I had to cut it off. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, the four of us would have been in a nice little Uber. Uh, but uh, a good time had by all, and some uh, fantastic comedy from the guy running the bingo table that I feel like went over the heads of the majority of the people in the crowd, except for my wife and I. You guys caught it, yeah. You guys were the demo. Yeah. Uh, we. It was Jared. And I'll say this, like in a couple weeks, you'll be down here, my friend, and it'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll I see. know this week has not exactly been ideal for you. Are you feeling better? <laughs> I'm fine. It hit my wife last night. It's, it has been the most 
I just it was unbelievable. It's like a thirty six hour thing. The first twenty four are brutal death, and then the next twelve you start to come out of it a little bit. But it's hit. So it was Bootsy Saturday, um, Beamsy Mon. No, yeah, me Monday, Beamsy Tuesday into Wednesday, and then my wife last night. So NBC has survived somehow. The eleven year old, but it's I'm not optimistic. You know that he's going to be no. so far. He's in the clear. I don't know how. And I was telling my wife about it, and she's like, yeah, that's a bug going around. Better be careful because it's gone back around a second time. And I'm like, oh, I don't oh, think he God. wants to hear that. No, you're right. I don't. Um, Gerard and I have been talking about this a lot. So Greg Roman out as the offensive coordinator in Baltimore. Uh, John Harbaugh is saying at his press conference today, Eric DeCosta is there as well, the GM. Lamar Jackson will be involved in the search for the team's new offensive coordinator. Always take all of this with a grain of salt, but I do think that that's – pretty straightforward from an organization that doesn't seem to do anything other than be straightforward Gerard what do you make of that well I make of it again if you have a situation where if you're going to fire a guy who's pretty much been designated as what creating an offense for Lamar Jackson look at all the backups who do they look like yeah Lamar Jackson right and so what are you going to do with that skill set for a guy who knows how to employ that so with that in mind, Gibby and Bo, I'm thinking that this may be a true sign that they're saying, Lamar, you're about to exit and something's going to happen because I don't think good organizations and franchises let one player hold them hostage. I mean, even the Patriots said bye to Tom Brady. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. And, Ger- and Gerard, I would, I would tend to agree. With you. I mean, let's, let's look at the Arizona Cardinals. Right. You know, they fire Cliff, the GM steps down, and the owner's like, yeah, the quarterback's going to help us pick our next coach. And I'm like, what? I don't think that's a great idea by any stretch. That guy's busy playing video games. Right. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? And why would you empower so, him yeah, of all the I, people? Yeah, by the way, the offense, it, it was not Greg Roman's fault. The star quarterback hasn't played in December in three seasons. Right. No. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. I, I mean, there, there's something else going on there, and it needs to be addressed sooner rather than later. And, Gerard, you and I talked about it on Tuesday. All the better for us. Right. Good. Let them yeah. be in turmoil. <laughs> exactly. And also, too, like Wink Martindale getting fired by the, the Ravens. I was like, what was that all about? Yeah. What did he do wrong? So if this is how they're going to play, let them play this way. Now, granted, they still found a way to make it to the playoffs, <laughs> even letting coaches yeah. go. But at some point, it's going to have to collapse. You keep doing it this manner of fashion. All right, boys. We yeah, got a lot get, to get to yeah. here. Uh, we got to get to some over-unders first, and then we'll get to the score. Wait, so let's hit the – oh, do you, so you have more? Am I, am I hearing – is Zagura too good to make an appearance right now? This is – you said it. I mean, I there's not I mean, evidence I, to I the hope, contrary. I hope he's shankopotamus today. I hope his buddy's <laughs> taking all his stretch. So, all right, over-unders first. Uh, last week, Zagura went five and one, Gibe three and two. So Zagura's lead over you is grown to three, but the Hoff went zero for fiver. Ooh, so he's yeah. It's it's like a one for fourteen stretch for him right now after getting all the way to the top. So it's it's a two horse race, and you got a lot of work to do. Uh, but Zagura won't be able to play off you, so that's a win. So let's start with this. All right, give a first one for you. Saturday quarterbacks touchdowns accounted for, so that's rushing touchdowns too, versus Sunday quarterbacks touchdowns accounted for. So just for clarification, you get Jacksonville, Kansas City, Giants and Eagles, or Bengals, Bills, Cowboys, 49ers. Saturday over or under? I'm going to go with Sunday. 
Now, what happens if Philly's got to go to a backup quarterback? Does that count into that mix? It doesn't as well? matter. It's any quarterback. It's not Hurts. It's any okay. quarterback. Under. All right. Run. I, yeah, I'm, I, I'm taking Sunday. Welcome to the madness, Gerard. <laughs> I'm like, that was a lot. I'm still trying to follow the question. I'll just say Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Gerard's got Saturday. All right. So you went over. Next. He's our celebrity picker over today. Or under. All right. So you get Mahomes and Jones passing yards versus Burrow and Allen passing yards, Gerard. Oh, I'm going Mahomes and Jones. Give it. Uh, I'm going Allen and Burrow because I think they're both going to throw till their arms fall off. Next. Over or under. Total yardage, McCaffrey and Debo. Mm. Over, under, Pollard, Zeke, and CeeDee Lamb, Gibbe. Or no, this was to Gerard. Gerard. I am no, this going. one is to you, Gibbe. This oh. is to you, Gibbe. Sorry. My fault. My fault. McCaffrey and Debo uh. or Pollard, Zeke, and CeeDee. I'll go the 49er duo because if one of the Cowboys' backs is playing, the other one is watching. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go that route. I'm going to go 49ers, Cowboys. Jerron? I am going to go with the Niners as well. Over. All right, very good. Next. Over or under. Sacks, interceptions, and fumbles. AFC total accounted for. Over, under. NFC total accounted for. Gerard, just for reference, I've gotten this right. Did I get this right last week? You did not. Ah, yeah, there we once go. Once in Gerard, three years, yeah. I, I've gotten I've gotten two in in three years. So what were you going to say so I can go against it? <laughs> <laughs> Was it sex interception fumble Saturday versus Sunday? No, no, it's AFC, NFC, NFC. NFC is oh. the NFC over over or under the NFC. I'm going to go NFC over the AFC. AFC. I was going to go that way anyway, AFC, so thank you. <laughs> so you got AFC, Gerard? <laughs> I got AFC. Next. Over or under. All right, finally, last one. NFC total points scored versus AFC total points scored. Give A. NFC over or under NFC, AFC points scored. God, and I don't know what the weather is going to be in any of these locations this weekend. I don't think it's um, anything crazy. Now, um, I think I'm going to go AFC. I think that Bills-Bengals game is going to be a shootout, and I think Kansas City oh, could put a hurt on Jacksonville. All right, so you got over. Jerron? I'm going AFC as well. All right, so you're going under. You're going over as well. All right, very good. All right, we've got like two minutes. we got 90 seconds to do four games on the scores, Gibby. How do you want to do this? Uh, start it off. Four o'clock. Jaguars at Chiefs Saturday. Four o'clock. Jaguars. Can we do the, do we do the line? You do it, and then I'll answer it, because I forget how you do it. Uh, it's Jacksonville visiting Kansas City. I don't know yes. what's going to happen with Jacksonville. Is Jacksonville for real? We're going to find out. Bo Bishop. Chiefs. Chiefs 38, Jaguars 28. Wow. Uh, Gerard. Chiefs 27, Jaguars 13. We go to Saturday night foosball and the number one seed in the NFC East, the Philadelphia Eagles, 
open uh, their bid for the Super Bowl, hosting the New York football giants. Daniel Jones, fresh off a big win. Gerard, what say you? Eagles 24, Giants 17. Oh, I like that one a lot. Eagles 21, Giants 19. I could see the Giants sneaking this one, though. I could. Wow. It it all comes down to Hurts. All right. To Sunday we go. God hoping my flight is on time. I can go right to the bar. It starts at 3 o'clock. It is Buffalo hosting the Bengals. The Bengals got screwed. It should have been a neutral site game, and everybody knows it. Bishop. It's it's too big. I think Bengals win this outright. I think it's a great game. Bengals 31, Bills 30. Hmm. Ooh. Gerard. I am going to go Bengals 35, Bills 31. Finally, Sunday night, 6.30 game, I believe, on Fox. It'll be the 49ers, the number two seed, hosting the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Gerard. 49ers, 24, Cowboys, 10. Same. Yeah, Niners big, 31-17, something like that. Good job of you, Gibby. Keep it between the navigational beacons. So much more to come. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 8.50. Oh, just what do you want me to do? Yeah, we're good? All right. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Gerard, thank you so much for sitting in with me today, buddy. Had a ball. Thank you for your time, bud. Well, thanks for having me. It was always a pleasure. Always is. Uh, The next level is coming up next. We are off tomorrow, back on Monday, right here on Cleveland Browns Daily. Brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and 850 ESPN Cleveland.